Dear brethren and sisters, I thought it would be nice this morning to spend a little while with the Apostle Paul and some of his travelling companions. For like the Apostle Paul, although not always in exactly the same way, we too are on journeys, the journey to the kingdom of God. And just as God provided travelling companions for Paul, so God has provided companions and fellow travellers for us on our journey. And because of this, we can pick up many little items of exhortation which are relevant to us still toward the end of this year, 2018. Well, as you will appreciate, I'm sure, we are now in our Acts reading with Paul on his second missionary journey. He's left Antioch in Syria, he's travelled northwards into Asia Minor, he has taken with him Silas, and originally, as we may recall, Paul had planned to take Barnabas with him, but after that sharp contention that Paul had had with Barnabas over John Mark, he chose Silas to go with him on this particular journey. Silas had originally come from Jerusalem, and as we read in chapter 15, which is our other New Testament chapter today, as we read in Acts chapter 15, It was after certain ones had come from Jerusalem to Antioch, troubling the ecclesia there and saying that it was necessary to be circumcised. The ecclesia at Antioch had sent Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem to see the apostles there and try to settle this question once and for all. Let's have a look then at Acts chapter 15, and we'll come back to the other chapter in a little while. We read how they called a council, and after faithful advice from Peter and James, a clear decision was reached. A decision which was incorporated into the letters which were subsequently sent out to the Gentile believers, and in chapter 15, We can read the substance of this letter and who it was that they entrusted to carry it to the various meetings. So let's look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, so this was a serious matter, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth? Well, 
of Judas and Silas, we read in verse 22, It pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And so Silas was a chosen man, and as we read there, he was a chief man among the brethren, a brother much respected in the ecclesia at Jerusalem. And we also read of Judas in verse 32, And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exalted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. So evidently these two brethren, Judas and Silas, had been endowed with the gift of the Spirit to enable them to teach with truth and power. Well, it wasn't the work of a moment. And so Judas and Silas remained in Antioch for quite a time, lending support there to the work of Paul and Barnabas, but then they returned to Jerusalem, as we can read in verse 33, and after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles, notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still. Now, almost certainly, Silas here was the Salvanus who is included by Paul in many of his greetings that we read in his letters. For example, it was later on on this same second missionary journey when Paul arrived at Corinth, and there, from there, he probably wrote the very first of his letters, which have been preserved for us, the first letter to those at Thessalonica. And he sent this greeting, Paul and Silvanus, Silas, and Timotheus, Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians. And it's worth looking through those greetings and farewell passages for the names of these brethren. Well, if Silvanus was Silas, as seems reasonably certain, then these were the same two brethren who had been with Paul on his second missionary journey. Well, Silas did a lot of work in the service of the truth. He's associated with Paul and with Timothy in the preaching of the gospel at Corinth, and it seems also that Peter, the Apostle Peter, used Silas to carry his first letter, and maybe Silas even wrote Peter's first letter at Peter's dictation. Peter said of him, By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, or as the revised version has it, By Silvanus, our faithful brother, a tremendous accolade from an apostle. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, As I account him, I have written briefly unto you. Well, this then was one of the brethren whom Paul chose to share the work with him. A wise choice indeed. A brother of experience and maturity, 
willing servants to his brethren and sisters and to the apostles, a brother that remained faithful in the Lord's service, as Peter says there, a faithful brother as I count him. Well, as I said, there are a number of little exhortations which come to us from reading these accounts, and we might just take a moment to ask ourselves whether the Apostle Peter would write of us in this way. Would Peter be able to refer to us as a faithful sister or a faithful brother? Well, we can all examine ourselves on that point. But Paul also selected another to go with him, as we read from the opening verses of chapter 16, Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And so we are introduced to Timotheus, Timothy as we usually call him. And as we know, this was the commencement of a long and intimate association. It continued right to the end of Paul's life when he was imprisoned in Rome for a second time, and when he wrote his very last letter, which was addressed to Timothy personally. Timothy, too, must have been a brother very highly regarded by the apostles. He was associated with Paul in work at Corinth and at Ephesus. Timothy was sent by Paul on several important missions, and as we know, he went with him on his last journey to Jerusalem, and no doubt Timothy there witnessed the arrest of Paul. And during the Apostle Paul's first imprisonment in Rome, it was Timothy who was in particularly close touch with him. And then, after Paul was released from that first imprisonment, it was Timothy who was entrusted with a difficult work in the meeting at Ephesus, setting the Ecclesia's affairs in order, resisting the encroaching corruption of false teachers, and Paul thought very highly of Timothy, as he wrote to the Corinthians, He worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Well now, as we reflect on these brethren who were Paul's companions on this second missionary journey, let's try to see ourselves in their position. Can we ask ourselves the question, would Paul have chosen any one of us? Would we have been commended by him? Could Paul have said of you or of me, he or she worketh the work of the Lord as I also do? The work of sisters was very important to Paul 
Although in a different sense from the work of the brethren, he was always appreciative of the sisters' work, and they were always included in his greetings in his letters. In another letter to the Philippians, in fact, Paul wrote, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of Timothy, that, as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So, whatever our age, however long we've been in the truth, Timothy is a great example to every one of us. And yet, it's as well to notice that he didn't find the work easy, did Timothy. Paul had to encourage him, even to warn him. Naturally, Timothy was shy and retiring, but in the second letter which Paul wrote to him, we notice the personal exhortation to which the apostle, which the apostle addressed to him. Great men, great brethren, and great sisters in those early meetings. I think there's always a danger that we put these faithful brethren and sisters on some kind of pedestal, such that we can't see our own way clear to attain the same standard. But surely these brethren and sisters who set us such a sterling example only do so because they worked at it. They allowed their faith and confidence in God to move them to achieve that high standard of life and service. Paul's companions learnt from him, and no doubt he from them. They learnt that through Christ, and through Christ alone, they could do all things that Jesus asked of them, for he would strengthen them. So, let's look briefly at Paul's second letter to Timothy for a moment, and see the high regard in which both Paul and Peter held this brother. Second of Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 6. Remember, this is Paul writing a personal letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And chapter 2, verse 1, again, little exhortation for Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. 
They are therefore endure hardness, Paul was alerting Timothy to the fact that the work before him wouldn't always be easy. They are therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Down to verse 7. Paul says, Continue what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. And chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So, personal encouragement and exhortation from the great Apostle Paul to this brother, Timothy. This isn't to suggest that Timothy was weak in the truth by any means, just that he was human, and of course we can all identify with him there. Timothy was not finding it straightforward to maintain that high standard. He was finding it difficult to uphold the truth in the face of corruption even in the meeting. And so he needed help, which Paul provides in this personal letter. Paul knew, in fact, that he himself would soon be taken from his fellow labourers, and Paul was very keen that they should continue faithfully after he himself had laid down his work. Such, then, were the exhortations and the encouragements which Paul wrote to Timothy. And so we are in the company in our Acts readings just now of these companions of Paul, Silas, Barnabas a little earlier, and the younger brother, Timothy. And we're all companions to each other on a journey, the journey to the kingdom of God. Well, come back now with me to Acts and we'll go on to chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, which, God willing, will be tomorrow's reading. And here we're introduced for the first time to another of Paul's companions in travel. We know from what we read here how Paul's steps were divinely guided. He was forbidden to go south into Asia prevented from going north into Bithynia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit to travel west to the coast at Troas, and there he had a vision in the night. Chapter 16, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavoured to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And we might notice in passing there the change of the pronoun, instead of he or them, we read we. And, and so we understand that Luke, 
the writer of this Acts record, was joining Paul in his travels. And as far as we can tell from the New Testament, this is the first time that we join the company of Luke, another companion of Paul on whom we can dwell for a moment. So, Brother Luke joined Paul and Timothy at Troas, along with Silas. And it seems reasonable that Luke was a Gentile. We know he was a native of Antioch, and possibly he had come into the truth by Paul's preaching at Antioch. He was certainly known to Paul before he joined him at Troas, but there might have been another reason as well, because Luke was a physician. And Paul, certainly as he aged and having regard to his various afflictions and difficult experiences, Paul would certainly be in need of medical attention from time to time. I'm sure we can begin to enter into the spirit and feeling of this companionship with Paul. Paul, writing to the Colossians, would speak of Luke as the beloved physician. And it may be that Luke had travelled to join Paul and that little party of brethren when news of Paul's sickness had reached him. We do know that Paul was seriously ill at this point. But again, I'm sure there's an exhortation for us here, dear brethren and sisters, for we're all companions in the truth. So may our relations with one another be warm and compassionate and considerate, things to think about. A little later in Acts, in chapter 20 in fact, we are again apparently with Paul and Luke. Acts chapter 20, verse 6. And we sailed away, so Luke writing here, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And so it would seem that Luke remained at Philippi and then joined up again with Paul and the other brethren, possibly some years later, and thereafter Luke remained with Paul in all his journeys. Paul was becoming increasingly frail by now, increasingly in need of Dr. Luke's medical attention, and Luke, we know, was with Paul in Jerusalem when Paul was arrested. It is to Luke that we owe this graphic description of the troubles of that final journey, the capture, the beatings, that journey by sea to Rome, and Luke was with him all the time. It was in the letter to the Colossians, in fact, that was written from Rome that Paul referred to him as Luke, the beloved physician. Well, we don't know whether Luke travelled with Paul after his acquittal and release, but certainly when Paul was arrested on that second occasion and taken to Rome, we recall. Paul's words in his second letter to Timothy, only Luke is with me. Well, that didn't necessarily mean that all other brethren had forsaken him 
and proved unfaithful, we know that some had, Demas for instance, but others such as Titus and Timothy were occupied in work elsewhere, but certainly Luke, the beloved physician, remained with the apostle, careful to the very end of his needs. Well, brief as are these references to Luke and from him, I think they're sufficient to create a picture of another faithful and affectionate companion, a worker together with Paul and with Timothy and with many others, spreading the gospel, tending to the needs of Paul and, no doubt, of the new brethren and sisters. Well, we all have needs. We all need to be mindful of one another's needs, whatever they are, either physical or mental or spiritual, on our journey to the kingdom of God. Well, we move on a little way in the record, and we read of Paul and his work now at Philippi. At Philippi, there was no synagogue. It was Paul's custom when he came to a new city to go first to the synagogue. But in Philippi, that wasn't possible. Probably there were very few Jews in Philippi, which would explain why there was no synagogue. But there was a place outside the city walls, down by the river, where a small group of Jews, mainly women it seems, were in the practice of gathering together for prayer. So, chapter 16 and verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, On the Sabbath, you see, if there was a synagogue, that's where they would have been. But they were meeting down by the river. Out of the city, by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us. Whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now, Lydia being a seller of purple, purple cloth, her clients and customers would have been the wealthy people of the city. And so she was used to moving in refined circles, no doubt. But she didn't let that stop her from coming into the truth. She gave heed to what Paul said, She believed, and she was baptized. And then, having received of spiritual things from the apostle, she was keen to minister to him of her temporal things. And so Lydia offers Paul and his companions hospitality. I wonder what it was about this early hospitality. Was it... That to which Paul referred in his letter to the Philippians, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, tremendous thing from an inspired apostle, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, we know what befell 
Paul and Silas at Philippi, we know how they were subjected to brutal beatings and locked up in the stocks. And really we can't imagine the agony which they must have suffered in that dreadful prison. The jailer, who was charged with keeping them secure, certainly meant to ensure that they could not possibly escape. But God had plans for the jailer. Chapter 16 and verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and every man's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. So here was another ministering to the needs of Paul and Silas. Those needs were very great, truly, and with what gratitude and love that jailer, newly come into the truth, must have made the necessary provision. Such was and is the power of the gospel message. Such was the power of another who was with Paul in his journeys, one who could control the elements, cause an earthquake to bring deliverance, not only to them, but also to this jailer. And so Paul and Silas are finally released, and we read in verse 40, chapter 16, verse 40, And they went out of the prison, and entered into the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and departed. So, These are some of the brethren and sisters who accompanied Paul, shared in his work, and ministered to his needs. And we know how highly Paul valued these faithful brethren and sisters. We know from the farewell greetings in so many of his letters. For example, he wrote of Titus, He is my partner and fellow helper. And... Surely there is a question here for our private examination of ourselves. Are we truly fellow helpers for one another? He spoke of Priscilla and Aquila as my helpers who have for my life laid down even their own necks. He wrote of Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labour and fellow soldier one who ministered to the apostles' needs, who for the work of Christ was nigh unto death. And again, it's the same question for our private reflection on our walk as brethren and sisters of the Son of God. 
you think Paul could write of us in these ways? He spoke warmly of two sisters, Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labour much in the Lord, the beloved Persis, who laboured much in the Lord, Tychicus, a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, and Timothy, a brother, a minister, and fellow labourer. Well, dear brethren and sisters, as we come now to remember Jesus Christ, surely we must be encouraged by such words and such records as we have in these chapters in the book of Acts. Times and circumstances change, the precise nature of the work may change, but the call of the gospel does not change. Our overriding aim must surely be to achieve that standard of mutual companionship which was so well exemplified in the lives of some of these, our first century brethren and sisters. Well, these emblems now remind us of the one who has made that perfect fellowship possible, and as we now share the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, let us renew our determination to be faithful workers together with God and to assist one another in whatever way we can.